Hey, Stuart. Well, what brings you guys here? We were looking for a recommendation about comic books. Oh, well, I recommend you don't open a store and sell them. <laughs> Academic pop culture analysis roundtable with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts Katya and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Okay. Yo. We are. I have given. Actually, I know exactly. As, as we record, we're forty-six days into this thing. I know because I was wow. watching a news report yesterday and listening to um, uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo talk about how long since. They start first started officially calling this a, a problem where we've we've been we've had the city closed down a little less than that. But where this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How are you guys doing? <laughs> OK. Um, every winter I, I do a little bit of the seasonal affective thing every winter and I joke about how I hibernate. Mm-hmm. It, that's taken on a new meaning because like it's just been a metaphor for feeling down and, and sleepy in February. Now it's. I feel like I can feel my systems slowing down. My perception of time is different. Um, like my thought processes are slower. Like I, I can actually feel all that happening, which I guess is better than having ongoing panic attacks. Um, okay, if you can feel your thoughts, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> to to me, my X Men. <laughs> you doing okay, Katya? How about you? You've had your... Yeah, I mean, I'm in the weird position of, which I'm sure is not completely unique, of trying to figure out how to relocate for a new job. Um, <laughs> I'm extremely fortunate in that I just was offered a job about a week ago, but... Uh, Yay, good for you. Congratulations. I have to get to another state to do that, and that is very dicey, especially because the state in question um, is Michigan, which, like, per capita, I think is about as bad as New York and... LA. Yeah, it's getting close. They're in the yeah. top five with a much lower population. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. this has been interesting. So I, yeah, so I'm working from home for the immediate future. Thankfully, they're being flexible on that because I think they're just like we don't want more people here right now. They're like we want we want <laughs> yeah. you to well, do things, good. but we don't want you physically here. Um, well, congrats on having yeah. a new job. I, I hope yeah. I hope we all live live long enough for you to be there. So <laughs> yeah, you know. And if anyone has any random tips about where the hell to live in Ann Arbor, you know, let me know. So anyway, I guess uh, I guess that leads us, you know, sort of roundabout into the discussion for today, because, you know, obviously still in the global coronavirus occupation. And we we had to the show was an idea for a while. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I guess I want to introduce the guests first. So we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the world of retail, specifically comic book retail, but but retail in general in the 
age of coronavirus and what's going to happen after this. So we've invited a friend of ours. Uh, Dan, you've been on the show before. So welcome back, Dan Greenwald, who's well, you were on the show before for one of your podcasts. But right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're more here for the other one this time. So you are in addition to hosting the TV pilot um, podcast. Um, you are also host of Comic Book Pit. Yes, that's correct. And thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad to be back and to talk with you guys. Uh, yeah, we've um, been doing Comic Book Pit since 2008, and mm-hmm. um, not a lot to show for it, <laughs> other than just <laughs> we, a we have a lot episodes. of fun. You know, yeah, we got a lot of episodes, mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, so you can always, uh, you know, find us for comic book uh, reviews and discussion, mostly. A lot of, uh, you know, getting off track all the time and talking about all kinds of crazy shit. But mm-hmm. <laughs> we know nothing about that. No. Yeah, we're very, we're very <laughs> topical. We never, never did grass. I'm always <laughs> well, so on, your show, on the show where I know nothing about. <laughs> well, that's a, well, that's because because your show often, uh, Dan is is talking about comic book industry news and what's happening in titles and what's happening in comics and things like. Not I mean news and sort of reviews and stuff like that. And uh-huh. now for the last three weeks, how, how's that been going? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, well, we 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 walk a fine line because. Obviously, all kinds of stuff happening. And like we said, kind of pre-show, not just with the comic book industry, but every industry, the entertainment industry is just uh, wildly in flux. But, you know, but we there's there's plenty of stuff to talk about because everyone is scrambling to try and um, simultaneously like throw everyone a life preserver for during this time, like Mm -hmm. retailers and artists, uh, comic book companies and publishers. Um, but at the same time, then we're, we're always looking to the future, you know, like what's life going to be like after this, is there going to be life after this for the comic book industry? Um, but the, I think, I guess the fine line that we, we walk is, um, you know, and, and, and I, I discuss this with everyone that I do the show with is that, you know, our, our podcast should be a, a haven, not just for us, but for the people that listen to us. So we, we're, we actually are trying to sh- like, just kind of shy away a little bit from, from Corona talk. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, that that's the name of my new po- podcast, Corona talk. Um, <laughs> no, I kid, I kid, I kid. Dude, um, I, I discovered the, the coronavirus subreddit today. I'm sure someone's made it. Oh yeah. There are there. so many coronavirus. I'm in a lot of podcast community groups, like just online. And so many podcasts have started in the last couple of weeks devoted to talking about the coronavirus because, you know, like no one has anything else to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. You know, but yeah, but but eventually it just gets to the point where I I feel like we've there's almost too much to talk about because everything changes daily and Mm -hmm. there's always new. I mean, and I I don't have to tell you guys this. I mean, we're in a 24 hour news cycle. There's always like there's never nothing to talk about, you know? Yeah, that's true. So so we've we've kind of all agreed to make an effort to, to to talk less about the pandemic on the show unless uh, the, the caveat is unless it relates directly to something relevant to what you know comics or the you know the entertainment industry because we also talk a lot about movies and tv and such so mm-hmm. we okay. we're, we're trying to you know straddle that that line between still having fun talking about 
all the nerdy stuff we love to talk about, but also trying to make to, you know, occasionally talk about some relevant news. Mm-hmm. Well, so okay, before, before we get into that, I have to ask right. the hard hitting questions that I was brought here to ask as the person who knows how to comment. Sure. Is there a pandemic themed X-Men? You, uh, you mean an well, X-Man with pandemic problems? Well, sort of. There are, there are certainly, I don't know if Decanum is an X-Men or not because Pestilence is. Yeah. Um, there, there are, there are, well, they, there are immune characters from the book tour. Yeah. Yeah. There was that. So, so that just character. really for everything. Yeah. Yeah. There was oh, yeah. that series oh, yeah, contagion last year. <laughs> yeah. Contagion. I couldn't, I couldn't think of what it was called. Yeah. Legion substitute heroes. There's the heroine by the name of Infectious Lass. Um, yes. So. And there's. So uh, we know for sure this wasn't caused by some sort of weird supervillain mutant. <laughs> there's always uh, Typhoid Mary. Typhoid yeah. Mary. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. In, yeah. in the Daredevil stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, even when you're talking about things like movies, though, I mean, obviously we've got we've got issues like um like for our box office game, you know, we talked about we were going to do this week or last week. We've been planning for months to do a show all about New Minutes, <laughs> the um yeah. the, the New yeah. Minutes movie, which should have come out a week ago, a week and a half ago, and or a year and a half ago. <laughs> well, okay, oh, yeah, also a year and a half ago, also two years. Ago. Yes, yes, but but we were it's so going to happen this time the new minutes movie is going to come out and that didn't so you know everything's in flux and i think you're right but i don't know um it's weird because we had planned today's show or we've been trying to plan today's show what um for for weeks months even yeah and trying to find the right angle for well, it uh when you tell convers- people what we're going to talk about today yeah, yeah well, and it, i mean it plays out of conversations you and i specifically have been having at the store for for years now and, and conversations I've had with different people, I, I truly believe, okay, comics history, um, for mm-hmm. most of the life of comics, they were sold on the newsstand. They were distributed through national distribution things. Um, sometime in the mid 1970s, the direct sales market was created. So comics went directly to comic shops. Um, and as well as newsstands for a while and, and as well as newsstands for a while, but it, uh, that change was, a was was a seminal change in the comics industry that allowed for the creation of the comic book store it allowed for the creation of small publishers who didn't have to do giant print runs uh it allowed for new creators to come in who would never have been hired by marvel and dc because they weren't up to their standards but it gave them a place to develop their skills until they became professional uh it was radical significant sea change in the way comics were made um i it's my belief that we have been undergoing a similar seismic change in the last five years or so in the comics industry. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's more diffuse than that. You know, in 1980, you can say it's the direct market. In 2020, you can say it's a whole bunch of stuff. Right. Um, right. And I, I've been talking about this in little ways off and on for years. I've been, uh, okay, this is the tooting my own horn portion of the show. I've been quoted in Publishers Weekly the last five years in a row. Um, they do an annual issue on the state of the comics market. And the first year, just the, the woman, uh, Shannon O'Leary. Hi, Shannon. Um, <laughs> who, who writes, <laughs> who writes these articles. I didn't know Shannon at the time. Shannon reached out to me. I don't know how she found me. Just reached out to Phantom. I, I'm sure because of, of our reputation and, uh, like they did with a lot of things, they'd let me answer it because I'm the talkative one who writes. And, you know, I, I answered her questions and sent them back in and, and I was quoted and, and that was cool. And a year later, she wrote back to me. She's like, you know, typically every year I try to get different points of view. But yours were so thoughtful and well written. I'm coming back to you. Mm. Uh, yay me. 
Um, and that continued for the next five years. And if, and if you go back to my quotes in those issues of Publishers Weekly, you'll see I'm talking about this issue throughout. Um, the comics industry has not been in a good place in the last few years from a retail point of view. And I'm talking specifically about comics and graphic novels, um, mm-hmm. not not all the other accessories, you know, hero clicks and action figures and et cetera. Et cetera. Uncle Pop. <laughs> Funko Pops. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Life, the, the lifeblood of the comic book store. Yep. Since, yes. since, since, since 2000. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I mean, since 2012. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's, and, but seeing those changes, I mean, just changes that I've seen, you know, foot traffic in the store, our, our store, Phantom, where I used to work until November. Uh, we prided ourselves on being primarily a bookstore. We had some Funko Pops, but you know, what's, 70% of our business was comics and graphic novels. That's what we wanted to sell. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, you could tell by floor space. Like, so, oh, yeah, so for the listeners, so, you know, uh, uh, Wayne has, Wayne has worked at two different comic book stores. He worked at, um, I've worked at three over the years, but that's, well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah in, in the last 20 years, um, mm-hmm. you worked at one store for, tw- for 20 years until six months ago. Then you moved to another store and you worked for the other store as well. And mm-hmm. I worked at one 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and, so, right. Well, and right. for the record, I worked at my current store for a year before I worked at Phantom. So this is, my, this is my second tenure with, second uh, with, with New Dimension Comics. Uh, and I, I'll give it to you. It's Phantom of the Attic in Oakland in Pittsburgh and New Dimension Comics, which is a chain of stores in this area. Um, mm-hmm. So shout out to those guys. And I have nothing but good things to say about both of them. They've both been very good to me over the years. Uh, right. They do have different business models based mm-hmm. on a lot of factors. Uh, and they both work well, that's in, different, in different ways. Because having um, not worked at either one, at either store, you can tell when you walk into Phantom that it is primarily a bookstore versus when you walk into a New Dimension, it is primarily a stuff store. Um, yeah. New Dimension devotes more um, more physical floor real estate to non-comic books than Phantom right, of the Attic Action does. figures yeah. and, and Funko Pops. Yes. And, and to their credit, they also have tremendous floor space dedicated to dollar oh, yes. Thousands yeah. of boxes of, of mm-hmm. dollar back issues, which is a a huge part of his business that we that we when I say we I still typically refer to Phantom because it's there for twenty some years. Uh, we just simply didn't have the space or mm-hmm. or the yeah. New Dimension's a bigger to, store to deal with that. It's a much bigger store, and and as a chain, he has you know several much bigger stores. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, our just different changes. You know, the the sales on the monthly titles, the the floppies, as the kids these days are calling them, had, <laughs> had, had definitely dropped. Um, you know, our back issue sales had declined to the point of being almost non-existent. Um, you pretty much the, the life cycle of a new comic was we did 80% sell through in the first week, another 10% over the next month. That 10% we didn't sell went into back issues. And after six months, we would have that book for the rest of eternity. Um, <laughs> uh, because graphic novels would come out. So we had that transition from people buying back issues to buying graphic novels. And you can overcome that if you have thousands of boxes of dollar comics and, and people who are willing to dig through them. Mm-hmm. But you know, our clientele was shifting, very definitively shifting to graphic novels. And that was a trend we were on really early. And that was a trend that was really good to us for a long, long time. Uh, what we did see happening was that shift in just format, the way people read the book, changed foot traffic in the store. 
like Mav, you came in every week to buy this week's floppies because that's the way you like to read it. You yeah, and, well, and, and me and, not, and a not, bunch of old people. Me and you're right, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, no, you're right. And that's it. We had a bunch of other customers. Some of our biggest customers came in and dropped a lot of money at 437 every Wednesday for the last 20 some years. Hi, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hi, Ray. Certain people who are, who've even commented on the blog post for this particular episode. Yeah, right, so we know right. they're listening. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and God bless you. Thank you. Um, but those are the people who were there every week. And we counted on that weekly foot traffic. Um, what happened is if you were reading Walking Dead through trade paperbacks, you would only come in once every six See, months. Every six months. In, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you so not only were you not coming in the store and being introduced to other things, you you, you I mean, that that's the big piece of it. You, we didn't have that return business where you got turned on to other books. You were a walking dead customer as opposed right. you to came in- you're there every week and you discovered deadly class or hundred mm-hmm. bullets or whatever I happen to be recommending that week. And if you're only coming every six months, so there's the other problem. If you're only coming to a store every six months to buy just walking dead, um, that's, that's only 20 bucks you're spending every six months. You're, right. You're, yeah. You're, you're bringing $20 yes. into the store every six months and you don't get the experience of, I mean, obviously there's experience of being turned on to walking onto something like walking dead, but also just sort of, the the win of the comic book store because I, I I made the only sort of kind of joke on the on the on the blog post that comic book stores don't really need to exist nor have they had to need to exist for quite some time now because now we have the internet and I can I can literally order anything direct from mm-hmm. the publisher just as easily as as my comic book shop can. that wasn't true when I was fourteen right like yeah. it, like when I was a kid there was the internet didn't have a direct access line to be able to order from diamond. I could subscribe to something yep. via, via mail if it was published by Marvel or DC, or I had to go to the comic book store. That was the only way I was going to get mm. an indie book. Right. Um, that's not true anymore. I could get them on my own, but and, now, and that's absolutely yeah. one of the other factors that is part of the sea change that I am talking about is, yeah, right. you don't have to go to the comic shop. You, you and, and this has affected other industries as well. Mm-hmm. You know, go to your local record store, CD store. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> where is it? Where? Where? where what yeah. is the CD store you've talked about? Exactly. Where are those? Or book bookstores? You know, bookstores. Yeah. Same thing. Um, video game stores. You know, Steam. Steam is killing video stores. Video mm-hmm. game stores. So it's it's not a problem that is exclusive to the comics. No. I mean, this is this is a a much broader spectrum issue. Movie stores don't exist anymore. There are no there are no blockbusters. There are right. no you know or in Suncoast you Video. Suncoast Video where you could yeah. buy a video. The, mm-hmm. you know, those that's not a thing anymore and it's barely mm-hmm. a thing at like best buys right it's it's not um but but why did i keep going i kept going to the comic book store because um because I, I linked on the blog <laughs> yeah well no it, it was um I, I i linked to this on the blog and i'll link to it in the show notes as well um eric stevenson eric stevenson is the um current publisher of image comics image is the third largest comic book publisher in the United States of America by third largest. If I remember correctly, that means they have 5% of sales in America with Marvel yeah. holding 40% DC's holding 30%. So that takes them seven. image holds like five and the other 25% is split by everybody else. And by everybody, everybody else, that's hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people like fight over 25%. Image has 5%, which makes them, you know, which makes them a juggernaut compared to everybody else, but small beans compared to Marvel or DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and Stevenson wrote this, this, he wrote this really lovely is before everything got shut down. Um, but when things were starting to go bad, 
um, he wrote this lovely letter to the industry where he's like, um, it looks like people are going to be shutting down. It looks like things are going to diamond hadn't stopped distribution yet, but things are, you know, stores are being shut down. So I at image, we at image, we're going to, we're going to pull back on publishing stuff and we're, we're, we're opening up returns, which is a complicated thing that we don't need to go into, but returns and just in general, returning merchandise is very, very complicated and mostly doesn't happen in the comic book industry. Right. The modern comic well, and, industry. And, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the direct market was based on the idea of no returns. I mean, that was right. one of the, the core changes that took place. And he said, we want to open that up for now. He started his letter by saying, when I was a kid, I lived in a city with no comic book shop and I've been a lifelong comic book fan and I never want to live in a city like that again. So whatever I can do to help them survive, we're going to try to do. And please, um, any of my bigger competitors, and he didn't name them by name, but again, there's only two, you know, right. pl- please do what you can to, you know, to make this happen. And, and I thought when, when he wrote that, I was like, he's right because yeah. I don't need a comic book store anymore, but I liked going there because I mean, Wayne, I, I absolutely did meet Wayne there. I met yeah. Dan there. Um, that's even non comic yeah. yeah. Even non comic That's people. where I met Katya. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, actually. I mean, um, it also to- sounds like it's the same problem of like fabric stores and sewing, right? Yeah. Is that like, yes, you only go shopping for things on the internet usually because you want to buy that. Like, you know about it already and you're going looking for it. Like, I, as a person who casually reads comics, will walk into a comics book store for funsies, drop, you know, 30, 40 bucks, like on occasion, even if it's, even if it's not like a regular habit of mine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to me, that, that says it's like having comic book shops isn't just like about getting people comics. It's also like more likely to bring new people into the comic book, you know, community mm-hmm. than say like, I mean, what like the Amazon service of like of the, the Netflix of comics. Is it called mm-hmm. Comixology? Yes. yes. Or am I thinking well, and, of a different one? No, well, the that's, and, that's absolutely it. And, yeah, and, but people are finding that community online. I mean, you all going back to sure. chat rooms and, and that sort of thing. And and that's it. I think but you Reddit, also still have to go looking for it. Right. I yeah, think. right. Like, you, like anything online, you have to you have to know it exists and you have to like take the initiative to go find it. Whereas mm-hmm. like I could stumble in off the street into a comic book store from just wandering around yeah. town. Well, and, yes. and, and they're the things that, well, Dan, you were, you know, for a while, you were part of that group with Babiok and, and Scott and those guys. Like, we had a group of guys who yeah. came in every Wednesday night. It was boys' night out. You came in, you got, was your a, was a ritual. You got food. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and I mean, that was one specific group who you know, I saw every Wednesday at the same time. And it was the same grouping, more or less, or five or six guys, you, mm-hmm. give or take one or two based on whether they could make it that night. But you guys weren't the only ones who did that. You know, that, like, the comic shop became that once again, that community thing. And I do think that's something that's missing mm-hmm. in, and I know that sounds like an old guy, you know, the, the yeah, yeah, you download your music through your Spotify. You don't get to talk about records to the guy at it the always, store. And it, it always reminded me yeah. of, it was like, it was like cheers for nerds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I will say as a token millennial though, there's a reason millennial, like a lot of people my age are going have record players. Like I think oh, there is a desire for that. It's not just like, a, it's not just like an old play like, generational yeah. thing. Like people yeah, no, and I, I have that and i i do wonder about that not to sound like the old guy but i do wonder if you know we have a generation of young people who just simply haven't experienced that so they don't know it's not exists they don't know it's something mm-hmm. they would enjoy if they were in the habit mm-hmm. of doing it and i don't know how you you convey that information to to people who have never had that experience um but it, i mean these are all factors that have been affecting brick and mortar stores you know and mm-hmm. and and i i have seen that shift away from as as comics and superheroes superheroes specifically but as comics have gotten 
as the imagery of comics, the characters of comics have become more part of our overall culture, i.e. Marvel movies and TV shows, et cetera, et cetera. That, there's that, that mindset of, oh, that's got to be great for business. And no, it really isn't. Uh, I think it was horrible. You know, yeah. It was horrible in many ways. Yeah. Cause I mean, there are people who, you know, they'll, they'll watch the Avengers movie. They come in. There's not a book that looks anything like the Avengers movie and they leave. But I think there's also the whole, why should I go buy the flash where I can watch it every Tuesday night at eight? So Which I, is I, what happened to, that's what happened to them. I mean, that's all that happened to the novel industry quite some time ago. You yeah. Know, I'll, wait, I'll wait for the movie is, has been yeah. a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like there, there's mm-hmm. no need to make a trip to the comic shop to get your superhero fix when turn on the TV right now, there's a superhero show playing someplace. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I think you know, that's a piece of it. All the new people have come in. I, and I, I have friends, you know, people I, I care about deeply. You know, I see on Facebook all the time who it's all about the imagery. I, I have friends who they have the Harley Quinn shirt and they, they have you know, Captain America mugs and this, that, and the other, you know, people who are all about the imagery who in 20 some years never set foot in my store. Right. Yep. And yep. which, which I, and, ones, and, and, in some respect is great. It's great for the art form. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually love, I mean, so I'm not the guy who's ever going to be, I'm never going to be the old guy who is like, well, you know, the kids don't read books. They're not, a, we well, talked yeah. about this with Nicole, who's been on our show many times, you know, being a comic fan for a lot of people means I've watched all 24 Marvel movies. Right. And yeah. That needs to be okay. That needs yeah. to be an okay thing. But I don't. But I also, I also don't want the community, uh, the community to go away. And it's going to shift in some ways. Like, okay, so yeah. that weekly comic book um, store discussion that we had became this show in many ways, right? Yeah, exactly. And, yes. And Dan, yes. And Dan, your show as well. Your show is like so. <laughs> like Wayne said, six guys. You know, four mm-hmm. of them are literally on your other on your podcast. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> weekly, yeah. Well, that's you, know, you and Link, yes. and you know, like that's. Yeah. So Scott that's and yeah, every, yeah everyone and that, that it's on the show is is someone that I met through um either th- through the comic shop or by extension like a yeah. comic con or a comic you know a small comic convention mm-hmm. or um you know yeah I mean or just everyone yeah, I, I know the, except uh, my mom and dad I've met through comics. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is crazy, you know, and and I've talked about this, you know that that uh, how many people I've met through doing the podcast. But again, the podcast that I do is like I said, an extension of life outside of the comic book store, because, you know, when I think about all the friends I've made just by shopping there weekly, I mean, Wayne married me and my wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, where else can you yeah. go? What, what other retail establishment for, for, can you go for, and make for the like listeners, a lifelong he means friend? Wayne performed the ser- he means Wayne performed the service. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah. Just, just yeah. clarifying. Yeah. He did not enter in a, in a multi-person marriage. <laughs> yes. But, and, and I, but I, and I've been to other, uh, other people that I've made friends with. I've been to their weddings, you know, and yeah. Yeah. You're not the only person I've done that with through the store. Yeah, uh, Scott. Scott, who's on your podcast every week, I, I performed his ceremony. Right. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, there is there's just you know I I have really intense what I think of as now lifelong friendships I made through that setting. Now I was in that position of I was there forty hours a week. I met everybody who walked in, right? But I saw those friendships develop. I saw relationships develop. I saw people meet, and three years later they get married. You know, all mm-hmm. in our store. Um, people have been married in our store. Uh, they, they, <laughs> like literally, they came in and had their ceremony on a Sunday morning at Phantom of the Attic Comic. Um, 
So I, you know, I, because it's been so much a part of my life, I hate to see it go away, but there's just some really very practical, right. the brick and mortar comic shop has been suffering for quite some time now. It's changing. Like you say, I think there's mm-hmm. some dramatic changes going on. Um, another piece of it, I think you were talking about you Marvel and DC being the major publishers, and, and that's still absolutely true. If you look at New York Times bestselling list, the bestselling graphic novels are not Marvel and DC graphic they're novels. They're not even on it. Yeah, they're not, they're not even, they're, or they're rarely mm. even on the list. Mm. Yeah, I shouldn't so, say never. They are so rarely the on young, the list. Young people who are discovering comics, there, there are more graphic novels available than ever. Young people who are discovering graphic novels are not discovering it through the new Spider-Man graphic novel, trade paperback. They're discovering Raina it Telgemeier. Raina Telgemeier, her book Smile. Noel, um, Noel Stevenson. Yes. Noel Stevenson. Uh, there are these people who are you know, coming, coming into the industry through what has in the past been non-traditional channels, meaning not Marvel and DC. They're, they're you know, uploading stuff onto their Tumblr and a year later, they're being published in the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, and there, there are young people who are discovering graphic novels who are, to me, the future of the customer base of this, inter- of this industry. If, if we're going to keep selling hard copy graphic novels, this is the audience that's out there. And most of them don't give a shit about the Hulk. Sorry, they don't. Um, yeah. and, and I really think, and this is, once again, a trend that Anim was, was really on top of. And Marvel DC is still our bread and butter because that's been the traditional customer base. Yeah. Phantom's location between the universities and a museum being right there. We had a, a broad range of, of, of clientele and boy, we sold a ton of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I should and also we, point out, I just want to point out when, when, I, when I say that Marvel and DC combined for 70% and that is, that is a, a remarkable number. But I mentioned earlier that I worked in, I worked in the store 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point they were probably 90 to 95. Percent. Yeah. Like, so yeah. like that's so over over a period of 20 years or so, they lost 20 percent of market well, and, share and, and, and the and sales were down overall, because at the at the point when I was working in a, in, a, in in the store, the best selling comics in the mid in the eight in the 80s, the late 80s, early 90s, the stores that were selling best, uh, the comics that were selling best were selling in the millions of copies. Yeah, like, well, um, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, that's it. 70 percent of of an industry that doesn't sell very many comics. Right. I don't have, I don't have numbers in front of me, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. The best selling comic book today. Well, not today because there are no comics being sold today because of the pandemic, <laughs> but the best selling comic in 2020, the single best selling single comic in 19 in, in 2020 sells worse than the worst selling comic in 1975. Sells uh, less copies from, from the big two. Yeah. Probably close. the the best selling The best selling from the big two is usually around a couple hundred thousand copies, mm-hmm. and the worst sellings in in the seventies were probably around fifty. So not yeah, quite, but but but, but, but on par. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But that that best selling comic is usually multiples beyond the average book. Yes, yeah, by far. Yeah, the uh, a you really. Did, if you your average DC, DC or Marvel book is about twenty five thousand copies right now. Your your average DC or Marvel book yeah. right now that's in pretty good shape is about twenty thousand to it, between twenty and thirty thousand. In nineteen eighty six, Cerebus the Aardvark was selling thirty thousand copies easily. Yes, yeah. easily without 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 a without a question. And anything that like a book is in danger of cancellation now from the big two once it hits about fifteen thousand, ten to fifteen thousand. Um, if something was selling ten to fifteen thousand copies. In in 1985, they're a laughing stock. That, yeah, like that's, it would, that's it, 
when that can't have happened. It's not, it's not worth the paper. Yeah. Right. It's right. worth killing the tree. No, no, that doesn't count digital sales and that sort of thing, which you know, right. is a, another piece of it. Um, but yeah, so, so this changeover, you know, like I, 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 I believe that for comic shops to survive. And once again, this is before the pandemic stuff. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think for comic shops and then there's still, you know, there's that mindset, the old school comic shop that just Marvel DC has been the bread and butter. I've been blessed to work in a shop where we recognize that comics are more than, than Marvel and DC. We were all into different mm-hmm. stuff. I personally constantly recommended books that weren't Marvel and DC. My favorite books in the last 10 years are really not Marvel and DC books. I say that, mm-hmm. you know, I read stuff that I enjoy, but my favorite books have not been the, the mainstream stuff. Um, sure. But I, I really think for, for comic shops to survive over the long haul, to tap into that new audience, they really need to start carrying and promoting these other non-Marvel DC books and stuff from a company called First Second, uh, Raina Telgemeier mm-hmm. books. You know, they, like Comic shops really need to go out of their way to tap mm-hmm. into that other market. Now, the problem with that is you can go to any Barnes & Noble in the con- country and find a display of young adult graphic novels. And mm-hmm. if you have just discovered Raina Telgemeier through Barnes & Noble, you don't know comic book stores exist. Right. Nor so, should you. And that's yeah, kind of, and yeah, and that's so kind of how, the thing. How do you drive that future business mm-hmm. to a comic shop has been a, a question we've been addressing at Phantom for years now. How do we let those people know we exist? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then the, the new dimension take was the other way. If you would say, all right, it's not just about comic books. It's also about all the other stuff that goes into right. geek culture. So how do we capitalize on that? Like, you, you, I mean, we talked about the, you know, selling Funko Pops. Selling mm-hmm. movies, selling merchandise, you know, T-shirts, like the, all of that stuff that like yeah. the people who we're talking about, like Wayne's talking about people who are physically reading a comic. A Raina Telgemeier comic is a comic. It is a book with panels in it with it. You know, but then the other comic fan is the person who doesn't give a shit about physical paper books. They are a fan of, oh, my God, I saw Deadpool. I saw Harley Quinn. I saw mm-hmm. Avengers. And I really want, you know, like because I, I don't want to short. I don't want to shortchange the seven year old who saw. I mean, it wasn't me because I'm too old and there was no Avengers movie. But if I were seven years old and Avengers came at movie came out, that would change my life. I, yeah. I, I mean, and I, remember, I would and I would, would want to yeah. own a Captain America shield when my nephew, my nephew was was five when the Black Panther movie came out and it was the only thing he cared about for a year. What like he did not want to have a conversation with you after that, unless it involved Black Panther. Yeah. Wakanda was all he cared about because it was the coolest thing he'd ever he'd ever heard of. And you want to be able to turn that, you know, I mean, he's five, he doesn't have any money, but like assuming that continues, you want to be able to turn that into a customer. Um, my my niece is the same way with Batgirl, you know, anything Batgirl she loves. Mm-hmm. So, but, it, but by anything Batgirl she loves, she's reading the comic book because I bought her a subscription to the Batgirl comic and it comes to her mm-hmm. house. But yeah, more, she cares about her Batgirl doll. She cares about her right. Batgirl pajamas. She cares about her, and, bat, you know, and, that's. And that's I, don't have anything, I don't have anything against any of that you know i mm-hmm. my my focus has always been on the books because I'm, I'm a reader more than i'm a collector of, of stuff and if you were in my house it's all my stuff you would argue with that um <laughs> <laughs> but but in general compared to lots of people i know i i'm not as into the stuff um but yeah I, and I, I will say and i don't want to get too much into the specifics of the different business practices of of the two stores because they're both legitimate and and mm-hmm. And have a different customer base, and that's fine. You know, they both work the both, and and the stores are friendly. I mean, it, it, while technically the stores are in competition in this area, our stores have been <laughs> uh, yeah, our stores have been friendly for 
for 30 years. Uh, there, yeah. There's no, well, you know, I worked for New Dimension in 1997. Um, Jeff at Phantom made me an offer that was better. And quite honestly, I just lived closer. I mean, that was a big deciding factor. <laughs> I, I, I could walk to work in 20 minutes or drive to work in 45 minutes, you know. Um, and we were set up next to each other at a convention the week between me leaving one job and the other. <laughs> and it was fine. We spent yeah, the weekend joking about it. Todd kept coming over and trying to trade old comics to Jeff to get me back. You know, it was <laughs> it, was, it, it was fun. Uh, so there's no hard feelings. I, I don't want to create any any false you know conflict between the two stores. Um, but they they are different. And I will say, you know, just working part time at New Dimension now. There's some weekend in the stuff they sold that Phantom did. I mean, Phantom had you know, a handful of Funko Pops and we had some t-shirts, but it was certainly not our focus. <laughs> I am just quite frankly stunned at the money coming in at New Dimension for that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, because it's a, it's a different clientele. So it's a different for, people clientele. Who aren't, for people who aren't in our city, who aren't in Pittsburgh, um, uh, New Dimension, the location that Wayne, well, New Dimension has more locations than yeah. Um, than than Phantom. Um, but but New Dimension, the location Wayne is talking about, is at an outdoor mall in Pittsburgh. It is a large sharp shopping district. One might go there in order to like it's literally next door. Well, actually, it's it's, li it's literally next door to a Target and a Best Buy. Like that's yeah, that's where it is. Well, well, yeah, like the, a, the, the, the Best, the best Buy is just it's, closed. Yeah. But and there's yeah. like a Lowe's and there's like you know there it's, yeah. there's a Bath and Body Works. Like literally, we're in this area where it's a mall. Um, yeah. And then if you compare that to where Phantom is, Phantom is in is sandwiched between two colleges next to a bunch of restaurants that cater to. Honestly. On a second floor. Door. Yes. Yeah. Above a, above yeah. an art store. Like it, it's a it's yeah. an entirely different clientele. And yeah. like you, you, I mean, it's not that, and, and not that there a lot are, of the business a lot of the yeah. business differences between the two develop purely because of location. Right. Right. It's not that there are. I mean, certainly children will come into Phantom. But if a child, ch I mean, and I mean an actual child. I mean, if a seven year old comes into Phantom, they're there because their dad or mom is a huge comic book fan who's been coming coming to the store for twenty years. If a seven year old comes into New Dimension, it's because we were just shopping at Target, and oh look, there's a comic book store there. Let's look yeah. there. <laughs> like the, it's a, it's a yeah, different yeah. it's a different mentality. And on the other hand, to look at New Dimension, it's not like New Dimension doesn't have people who are looking for a Raina Telgemeier book because mm -hmm. there's a Barnes and Noble like a couple stores over. So you know, so yeah. if I were looking for a Raina Telgemeier book, why the hell would I go to this New Dimension? When there's a literally a perfectly good Barnes and Noble next door that has Telgemeier and the Jane Austen book that I want, you know, like, I think the one thing, right? Yeah, I think the one thing that even though both stores have um, different, uh, sometimes different philosophical, uh, you know, stances on selling, you know, or what they sell, the the thing that they have in common that they've had in common for decades is customer loyalty. Yes, and that is so, that is so that's, strong. That's very true, and I, I've seen it firsthand. Both as a customer and as and being on the other side of the counter, being you know, and I, I've seen the um, you know um, when the new dimension store that is the one that Matt is, is describing when it first moved to that location, it moved under very uh, dire circumstances. Uh, <laughs> yes, real, you know, real quick it, it, for real quick for for everybody who's not again not from Pittsburgh. The mall that New Dimension was in for in 15 years was suddenly condemned one weekend and everybody in the mall <laughs> and, had to move out. <laughs> and, and it yeah. has essentially been a ghost mall for 
quite some time. Yes. Right. But it suddenly right. yeah. they yeah. had to move quickly. <laughs> yes. Right. And and the outpouring of support from yeah. uh customers who literally just showed up to help move the store because they had to move out. They I think they were given 30 days, but you know, Todd was like, I just want to get out of here ASAP. And he he put out the bat signal and people just came out over the course yeah. of a weekend and just for Move just for the promise of maybe some pizza and beer. And yeah. Just, yeah. Pack up a, an entire store and drive it down and, mm-hmm. and open up another store. And 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 that to me, it was just like uh, well, that's just that's the community. That's why I want comic book stores yeah. to exist. It is literally the, because if because if in all honesty, if Phantom needed that tomorrow or if Baker's the comic book store that I worked at in my podunk hometown um, 30 years ago, if they needed that every comic book store in America that has survived yeah. this long, if you've survived this long, it's because you've created a, a you safe space people. for a yeah. community of geeks who love you, you know, yeah, and well, when, they, when Phantom moved in 2008 and, and we moved across, across the street. The street. <laughs> so, so we didn't, we didn't put out the bat signal for a million people, but you know, we, we had a bucket brigade of long boxes going across yeah. the street one night. Um, because it was just, convenient. It was just like, yeah, we can help you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, that, but that's, but that's what, that's why. So to talk about Stevenson's letter, that's why I want comic book stores to exist because that doesn't, I mean, there are communities online. Again, this show is online. This is an online conversation. Thank you to everybody who's downloaded this, but that is not the same as being able, hanging out in a store, whether it's a comic book store or a record store or a movie store. Like the, the, yeah. I miss blockbusters. I, I, I honestly do because paging through things on Netflix or watching movie review podcasts on YouTube shows is not the same as hanging out with other movie geeks in person that I just don't get to do the same way anymore. Like, and, and I haven't been able to do it in a decade because they, they just went away and I don't want, you know, cause I love movies. If you listen to our show, you can tell I love movies. I don't want that to happen to comic book. I don't want to lose that experience and to have it relegated to just Reddit and, and Facebook. And, and I'm not sure what needs to happen to ensure that happens. Uh, and, so, and this was happening anyway. I mean, the, I think yes. the business was in trouble in many ways for the last two or three years. This change has been happening in, in ways that I think a lot of stores weren't ready to deal with or, or hadn't quite figured out. Uh, Phantom, as an example, you know, I no longer work there because sales are down. You know, I, mm-hmm. it, the, there, is, there is a very practical, we were a hugely successful business for a long, long time. And last fall, it downsized because it's not that successful anymore. And mm-hmm. that's not a cautionary tale for the entire industry. I don't know what is. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it, when we were nominated for the Eisner Spirit of Retail Award in 2009, and at that time, talking to our diamond sales rep, just getting some numbers for the presentation I put together. I, I don't want to throw out too many specific numbers here, but in terms of business through diamond, orders through diamond, we were one of the top stores in the country. That doesn't count buying back issue collections like New Dimension does, doesn't count, you know, all this other stuff. Purely our orders through Diamond, the company that supplies or new just comics. just paper comics. Just paper copies, graphic novels, and, you know, a few t-shirts or whatnot. But the bulk of our order was comics and graphic novels. As a single store, not a chain, we were one of the top accounts in the country, mm-hmm. um, I, which is kind of staggering to me. I mean, there's a lot of small shops out there, but, mm-hmm. and quite honestly, the people who beat us, 
were the big chain stores in major metropolitan areas. Yeah, you got, uh, I mean, you have your you have your Jay and Silent Bob's, your Jeffy's Comics, which he owns, you know. But the, the, yeah, the, you you know, know, yeah, I mean, yeah, adventure so ch- ch- chains in Chicago and Los Angeles, and you know, St. Mark's Place in New York City, you know, which mm-hmm. has more people walk through on a Wednesday afternoon than we get in June. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so you know that that's indicative of the whole industry in many many ways. Okay, mm-hmm. so now there's a pandemic and comics aren't being yes. published for the first time since 1932. Yeah, uh, and that's. No, the, they're all closed down. There's no more. No, there's no new material coming in. Uh, every comic shop in America is now closed. Uh, we have retailers who, you know, and I'm, there are all kinds of programs out there, but, you know, rent um, payroll is down because they're you know, I'm not the only laid off comic shop employee at the moment. Um, all of them are. Yes, they, all of them are. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was the vanguard of, uh, and, and by, well, and should caveat, uh, Wayne, uh, as a, you know, you, as a, as a retailer laid off, but since comics are not being produced right now, there's an industry of creators. Yes. <laughs> like, like literally mm-hmm. for the first time in 80, almost 90 years, an industry has ground to a complete halt over an eight day period. Now, I know there are people out there who are working independently, like Ed Pisker, you know, sure. guy is working on his comic. He, he works at home. He's always worked from home. He's continuing to work on, on his current project with the faith that at some point, Dark Horse will publish it. He has a contract. When the industry gets back together, it will be published. And I'm sure you know, Raina Telgemeier is probably drawing her new graphic novel as we speak. I, you know, that sort of thing is still going on. Sure. But, but Marvel and DC essentially got the pencils down order. We're not mm-hmm. producing any new work right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not and the, and that's not just the comic book industry. We're also talking about the same thing happened to the movie industry and, and the TV game, industry. Our game, which uh, for regular for listeners who are not regular listeners, every year we play a game that we stole from another podcast where we draft movies and the game is designed so that I can win because I'm the big movie guy. And right now I'm not winning right now. <laughs> right now, the person who cares least about movies who is giggling in the background <laughs> is is winning the game. And Katya may win the game because nothing's as we rec- well as we record, we're not sure that any more movies are going to be released in 2020. Um, people are saying their dates that it's like oh, so it's like oh, be back up and running by fall. I don't know that I believe that. Yeah, given I, what I do you know, what the news says. The only yeah. thing that would cause me to win a box office game is literally is a pandemic. A global <laughs> pandemic has brought the planet to a screeching halt. I, I have now come to the conclusion that you have organized, yeah. you have orchestrated this entire pandemic simply to win this game. I mean, you know, uh, you I mean, couldn't like, have used a weather dominator or something, you know. I mean, you know, mass it just, device. It just it seemed like the weather, the weather manipulation might cause more, you know, damage to climate change. And right now, we're seeing the lowest pollution levels we've seen in over a decade. Yep. So you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, but that's and that's the major scale of this. Like, you know, the reason that pollution is down is because the travel industry is closed right now. Um, no one's going to work. Even people who are working are working from home, which means there's I, no cars on the street I mean, I, anywhere like, on the planet. I've gotten like five weeks to the gallon recently. So. <laughs> yeah, oh God! We had to fill gas, up our car gas in a month. Prices have like dropped to basically like nothing. Yeah, well, and and that's we have this thing where you know, people are. 
people are out of work. You know, the, the money's not coming in. At the same time, we're also not spending it on anything other than mm-hmm. rent, rent and essentials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so the the entire capitalist system has been you know boarded of late, which is so good in some ways, comic. but also yeah. Well, and but but I mean it's a it's a problem because. You know, I'm, <laughs> I mean, as a scholar, even, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, actually, I know Katya is too, because, because we did our master's together, you know, I'm trained very much in Marxist scholarship, which is, which does not mean what people think it means on the internet, but close enough for this conversation. And much like, and so, you know, I got no problem with bringing down the capitalist system. Go for it, you know, but it's not necessarily the thing that you want to crash involuntarily overnight. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't have a, we don't have a replacement in place. You, and you need a plan, right? Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't change the cap, you know, because I see people talking about, oh, well, this is why we need socialized healthcare. And it's like, yeah, we do. But the thing is, you can't just crash the system and not replace it because for, for all the things, you know, I, I see people talk about social distancing and, and, and I will never be the guy who ever yells at anybody for not doing it. Um, I, and I, I know lots of people who do. And, and this is my, my brief, my serious pitch. Should I, should I put the music on in the background? <laughs> serious. Hold on. <laughs> so my serious pitch is. If you are one of those people, <laughs> if you are one of those people who like doesn't like that there are people out there not social distancing, understand that the idea of surviving a pandemic, being able to survive and to social distance, there is implicit privilege in that. There are people who literally can't. And I'm not just talking about the people who are working, your essential workers who are your nurses or your people working at the, at the grocery store. If this had happened, we'll talk about this on, on a show that we're going to have coming up. If this had happened when I was an undergrad, I wouldn't have been able to go home because my family had moved out while, uh, you know, after I went to college and they moved to the other side of the country. I just lived at college at that point. Um, my job would have went away because I was working for the university um, just as a, you know, as a computer lab like attendant. And I literally would have been stuck in a dorm room of a ghost town place with no income, probably just robbing people or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, like the, the idea of being able to not work for most people who live paycheck to paycheck is scary as fuck and people die because you know they can't do it so yeah it's you know this sucks for me as a you know you know as a grad student who has nowhere you know has no jobs coming in but i'm not that poor kid anymore so i'm in great shape wayne is laid off for the second time in a year you know it's not (laughs) fun but you're it's not fun but you're surviving like there are and I don't think people understand that when they say, well, how come you're not staying six feet away? How come you want to go to work? So, you know, understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Bravo. Yeah. But anyway, like I, I see that and I, I get really irritated when people are like, well, you know, 
you you shouldn't care about just, you know, oh, so you can't buy your comic books. Oh, so you can't, you know, who cares about a stupid football game or something? You know who cares about football games? People who, you know, work concessions and literally haven't had income in two months now and yeah. don't have a savings because they work concessions to feed a family. So this matters. Well, like it, when you're talking the number of people who are, well, here in Pittsburgh, we, we've had you know, food bank opening up and we have you know, we've lines. Had food, but, yeah, we've had uh, yeah, food banks not be able to fulfill them. Yeah. <laughs> you have thousands of people lying yeah, right now. Food. They have missed one check. Yeah, and it's scary. So, I mean, like, I, I wonder, Katia, when you shop it for fabric, even, you know, I imagine how long you've lived at, you've lived in your current location for seven years, right? And I imagine, like, the woman who works the fabric store, cashier line, has been there every time that you've ever gone in in the last seven years, because that's like, you know, but like, she can't be massively wealthy, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, like, fabric stores, I mean, fabric stores are very similar to comic book stores in the sense that like yeah there isn't there are i mean the only real chain there is for that nationally is like something like joanne and for honestly most of the things i buy it's like pretty like relatively specialty like you can't get it at joanne so it's like yeah i i think a lot of fabric stores are in the same position of like you know they make enough to make end meet and ends meet do okay pay their people but like this isn't like i don't know like like i have a fabric store that i've been going to ever since i've like i moved to north carolina and it's great. I love it. Uh, I like going in there. I like buying stuff there. Um, I don't know if it's going to be here. Right. When all this is said and done. So, you know, I mean, I remember I remember when everybody started closing everything. Um, uh, Wayne's Wayne's former store like said, OK, we're going to shut down to because we have to. And we're going to do curbside delivery. That lasted a week. Yeah. And see, the problem is also with like fabrics and textiles. You have to be able to feel it and see it really. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ordering it online. So like you can't like they never even did that. They were just like, nope. Right. And, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, there's no. So so that lasted a week. Uh, the the other store did the same thing for one week. Both stores are now doing mail order. And if you're if you're mail ordering from either store, it's that loyalty thing that Dan was talking about. Like yeah. There. You know, um, I, I definitely you know, if I want to get something, I want Todd and Jeff, who are the owners of Phantom and, and, um, and New Dimension. I want them to be in business next year. Um, so if I needed something, I, you know, I'd probably mail order from one of them, but I don't need anything right now because I wasn't preparing for this either. And also I'm not rich, you know, like there's only so much any right. of us can, any of us yeah. can do. And when, the, so when well, everything closed down, it's like, we're going to be closed down for two weeks. We're going to be closed down for, for a week. It well, might and, and be that, six that, months. That, that loyalty thing, you know, like mm -hmm. I mean, Amazon has been there where you could order these graphic novels cheaper and with free shipping for ages now that's been part of the problem to begin with and now yeah. if you want to mail order from the store you you got to pay for the shipping so yeah it's it's like amazon becomes pay for a, the shipping yeah yeah you know i mean and amazon, you're also just you know amazon's mm -hmm. already a better option in terms of price uh, right. now you can't just go to the store and, and buy the stuff um there's no browsing there's no i mean there's like, yeah. the, the um like the, most of the books that i enjoy um most comic books that i enjoy most records that I loved and the, you know, the, the way I ended up with a collection of like some 3000 or however many ridiculous amount of DVDs that I have Wayne, you've been to my house and seen yeah. the DVD room, you know, like I've got a room yeah. that's just a library of stuff. And that's because I used to just, you know, I'm the kind of guy that would go to the movie store and just like page their stuff and say, this has an interesting cover. Read yeah. the back of it. This is fun. Like it's, you know, it's just picking it up gets, you know, kind of got me. Um, when, you know, well, and one of the things you, 
one of the things you don't get, I am going to toot my own horn again here. One of the things you don't get shopping online for comics is you don't get me. Right. You don't get yes, exactly. Store. Yeah, you don't get that true. guy at the store who has read this stuff, who knows this material, not just knows this material, but I've known you for 20 years. I know what you like. I can guide you to stuff mm-hmm. I guarantee you're going to like. Yes. Um, in fact, I, as, an, as an example, one of the, my favorite books for years, um, which we've talked about on the show, Wayne's the one who told me to start reading Batman again. And yeah, I, I remember going to stores. Yeah. 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 Oh, are you reading Batman? Of course I'm not reading Batman. Why would I read Batman? This is I have no interest in whatsoever. No, just buy this issue. Buy this issue of Batman. It's been great. And yeah. And Tom King, because I hadn't read Batman in 20 years, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I did. So that's the thing. Katya at a fabric store, you just said like, sure, you could go to joannes.com. I assume I don't, I'm not even, I'm not even going to check. I'm going to assume that I could go to joannes.com and buy some purple cotton right now if I wanted to, <laughs> right? Like, or, or I could get red silk, yeah, or I, I could get would, a I fabric would, I, in a color just by clicking. Yeah. But that's not how you buy fabric. How you buy fabric is you go in and you, you know, you wander through the aisles and you touch stuff and you say, this feels really nice and soft and fuzzy and perfect for my skin. I'm going to buy this and make something out of it. I don't know what, right? Yeah, no, that's part of it. I mean, also part of it is like Joanne's, there's a slight difference in that between like fabric and like supplies like that and comic books, because like, we I mean, kind of like what you talked about, like you can get the same comic book at any number of retailers, comic book stores, Amazon, whatever. The same is not always true of fabric. Like this, the fabrics that are carried by Joann's are very different from the fabrics that are carried by like really mood fabric, you know, like one way. Um, and they're, which are also very different from the, from the ones carried by my store. So like the things that are carried by the store locally, you can't buy it at Joanne. Right. Um, and you probably can't even find them online just because like they're difficult to source because not that many people sew. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you are, I mean, one of the things that's like, I think that does resonate though, is like you are paying for the service of being able to go touch things and also for somebody else's opinion and expertise. Because like, mm-hmm. there's been a number of times where I'll be like, oh, I'm making this pattern. I want like this thing, this thing, and this thing. And they'll be like, oh, we don't have that, but I'll order it for you. Or have you thought of this doing this and this and this instead? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like that's valuable. You can't get that from a fabric store or from an online mm-hmm. fabric store rather. And also, you know, like, like you said, you've been shopping there seven years. She just knows you. She's seen the clothes that you've made. So even if you're not thinking, you know, even if you're not looking for something, you know, she might very well say, oh, I'm glad you came in. There's something that's perfect for you that I want you to mm-hmm. see because you might want some. And I imagine that right. happens. And, that, well, and that's, it's also just nice to go in and like talk with a bunch of people who are into the same kinds of things yeah. you are. Like yes. most people in my daily life don't want to talk about fabric for two hours. I'm at the fabric store. There's a ton of people who absolutely do. <laughs> yes. Oddly yep. enough, there are a lot of people in my life who want to talk about Batman for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but, but the store was a place where that was appropriate, right? Yeah. Like the, well, and, you know, and, that's, just, I, and I'm pulling numbers out of my, my butt here, but you know, like I, I sold 50 you know, copies of Wicked and Divine <laughs> because I wouldn't <laughs> shut up about it. You know, like people, people come in and would ask me what you asked me for recommendations and there were books that I was just into. And, and, you know, Matt, I didn't recognize, I don't recommend every book I read to everybody who walks through the door, you know, oh God, no, that, some of them are bad. Yeah. Because like, this is not going to be, <laughs> this is not going to be the thing you're into at all, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I get that, but that's, that's part of that skill set of working in a store like that is being able to mm-hmm. direct your customers to the things they're going to like. I have sold 
books to people that have made them ecstatically happy, and I just think it's shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sure. You know, people describe what they're into, and I'm thinking, oh, dear God, but here, I got something for you. <laughs> and, and they're thrilled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, but that's the thing, right? That's the experience of the live store. So we, we talked about all the reasons that it's dying. Now it's, you know, fabric stores, music stores, you know, all of them are suddenly in a place where without income for the foreseeable future, because that's what I'm really afraid of. I don't yeah. think it's going to be two more weeks. So, you know, you know, if you what if you watch the moron who happens to be our current president, you know, everything's going to be open by May 1st. No, no, you're, it's you're not. not. And and so if you're not open by May 1st. Yeah, especially then, like non-essential stuff is probably not opening up until like June, maybe yeah. July. Like, right. And, and, and if the comic shop opens, there's no new material. Right. Nothing's, nothing, being, so, nothing's being produced. I mean, right. you can still go and what, buy what movies are you going? Yeah, yeah. And what movies are you going to be watching when when the movie theaters finally open back up? I and mean, that's this is why you know we you know I joked like Katya might just win our game. Um, like the all but the, I might, you know, and that's an actually real thing. That's not just a joke, right? Right. It's because like summer blockbuster season, every everything is delayed. Every you know Black Widow, which should have been one of the biggest movies of the year, is delayed. <laughs> you know, free, free uh, comic like, book day, which I guarantee you is the biggest retail day. Of the year of for every every, every comic, comic store in, in the, America, yeah, yeah, I missed that this year, right? Yep. And that's and I mean, Wayne, you said like for for the places because your store is not the only store uh, that's next to a college. Lots of stores, yeah. comic book stores, yes. put them not just. I mean, in Pittsburgh, you're the one next to the college in Pittsburgh, but every every college town in America, somewhere within walking distance of your biggest college, is um, you know, the comic book store. Fun. Yeah, yeah, because like that's because who's like been who has seen their entire customer base turnover every four years because that's like the that's the entire plan. Yeah, I'm taking the spot yeah. so that I can sell to the geeks at this at this college and yep. all of them, all of them look to balk up on sales money at the last week, you know, the first week of May because because, our, because students are leaving. Yeah. And, and, and because and it, and it floats you for the entire summer and all of them don't have that right. now, assuming, you know, assuming they can even come back in assuming they can come back eventually, you know, they're going to come back to a down market. Movie theaters are going to come back to a down market where not only, I mean, not only are there, um, are there no movies being worked on right now in Hollywood? Cause Hollywood shut down. Um, assuming they, you know, black widow is finished. Mulan is finished. These were movies that were supposed to come out that, you know, Mulan was supposed to be one of the biggest movies of the year. It was going to, it was going to put me in the lead in the box office game. It's going to come out. Who the fuck wants to go into a movie theater? Everybody's terrified. Mm-hmm. Even if the movie theaters are open, um, like what do you do? We were talking before we went on the yeah. air. I'm, I'm just thinking about things like, like Comic-Con is maybe not going to happen. San Diego Comic-Con, which is the biggest comic book convention in the world. Um, not just because, you know, like partly people are afraid to gather in places. Um, but also, you know, how do you even run a panel? No, you know, no stores. I mean, no movies are in production. Marvel has nothing to come. Marvel Comics. Marvel Studios doesn't have anything to go to San Diego Comic-Con and talk about right now, which is mm-hmm. weird. Yep. What yep. store, you know, every store in America that might have normally gone there. I mean, neither of the stores in, in Pittsburgh go there. It's a long way. But every store in America that would normally go there, you know, they have all their employees are currently laid off. How do you even plan yeah, an yeah, event yeah, like that? Yeah. 
Yeah, how canceled do you Coachella for table space and, and travel <laughs> mm-hmm. and hotel rooms and all that. Yeah, Burning Man got canceled last uh, last week. Like there's yeah. just like, well, like know, the entire only- industry of yeah. It's it's called Comic Con International. So does that? I mean, I can't imagine a lot of international traffic is going to be just happening right away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, we we were, we were talking before we started recording the the music industry touring bands, current bands who are touring. That's how bands make their money now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I joked before we started recording that you know, Elton John will be fine. But if if you're I use the example, there's a band I've been in through the last three or four years called the Struts who have been relatively successful, but they've also been on the road for like four years straight. And they're releasing a little video every week, just what they're doing from their apartment in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. you know, they're an up and coming band. They're doing well. Uh, they're not multimillionaires. Uh, I, I've seen their mm-hmm. apartments now. They're nice, modest little apartments in Los Angeles. They make their money by being on the road and they've canceled everything for the next six months. They have no idea when they're going to be back. And what does that do just not only to just their income in the moment, but their career in the long term? Mm-hmm. And I'm using them as an example. Um, a, a band I just discovered, uh, Bones UK. I've been, there's a plug. I'm, I'm plugging my, my new favorite band. Um, they were going to be on Seth Meyers. They showed up at the studio, rehearsed that afternoon, and that was the day that they went, "Oh, we're not doing an audience. Go home." Mm-hmm. So you know, this was their their network debut. They rehearsed, and that episode didn't and we're air, sent home. and were sent home. Yeah. So look at stuff like that. If you think about you know the ripple effects to to go non comics, right? Um, every talk show that you might watch on television is off production right now. Um, Saturday Night Live did an did an episode last week and I of like all the stars sort of doing comedy over Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, that's how the Colbert show is being taped right now. Jimmy Fallon's Seth Meyers is being taped like yeah. Jimmy Fallon's taped like that. And you know what that means? They're essentially doing fucking podcasts. Yes, like that's what they're that's what they're doing. They're yeah. doing what we do, only like arguably they're more famous. No, they're they're more famous. And and again, you talk about toot our own horns. Um, I've I've the the shows that I watch regularly, like I like um I I actually like John Oliver a lot, and I think his he's actually been doing a fairly good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. He's well, still doing I the same think, thing he's always does. Yeah, well, he's just no with no audience. Uh, he's doing yeah. it from his home. While I'm not saying I'm funnier, you know, my, my wife is a very big fan of the Colbert uh, of the Colbert show, um, late show with Stephen Colbert. I think I'm better at this than he is. He's never <laughs> tried it before. <laughs> like, and I, and I don't think I, I mean, at literally at just sort of recording a show from my house. I've been doing it for two years. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it for a week and a half. Yeah. Well, and and it shows. I think one of the reasons John Oliver has been successful is he's still working with a team of writers. I mean, other than yeah. there not being an audience there, it's pretty much yeah. exactly the same show. Whereas right. the Jimmy Fallon stuff, it's just like, here are me and my kids in the kitchen. And, and I'm trying yeah, to do yeah, a and, and I'm like, you know? And there have been cute, there have been cute moments with his guest, but yeah, I'm not saying I'm funnier than they are. I'm not, right. you know, like yeah. they they've got a talent, but you but to suddenly move your entire you know your entire livelihood to this work from home thing, and it becomes weird because I don't you know a little inside baseball, but um, internationally podcast listenership is down. For everybody who is not someone who used to star on a television show, yeah, <laughs> um, and it, it's a it's a it's a weird thing because suddenly more time to the, listen. 
Well, there, you'd think there'd be more, to, there'd be more time to listen, yeah. except that nobody's in a car or on a subway commuting right, to work. Right, right. <laughs> and, and right. also, um, also every podunk little pseudo academic, um, pop culture analysis show like this one is now competing with the fucking tonight show, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and, and I'm like, I, I don't want that, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so it's, it's, it's a weird thing, but what, what do you, but when you wonder, like, if we, if think we get that, sting for a guest, right. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, well, sorry, sorry, Dan, you've been bumped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the, you've been bumped for sting. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean, what happens? I'll like, allow it. Oh, come on, come yeah. on, Dan. G- g- give us some Roxanne right now. We, we <laughs> yeah. What do you got? What do you got? You know, um, but I just what, do tantric so What do you yoga. do there? What do you do there though? Right. Cause like, because like, I wonder, you know, like you're sooner or later, you're going to have the, have the shows go back to, you're going to have the shows go back and taper from an audience again. Probably because here is what I'm thinking of years and years ago, the Hollywood writer strike happened and the Hollywood mm. writer strike happened and um, they cut all the shows. All the talk shows went away. Letterman came back first because David Letterman made a deal with um, with the Writers Guild himself, not the network, literally worldwide pants, which David Letterman was his production studio that he controlled. He's like, no, their demands are reasonable. So he made a deal with the WGA. And so, and so the Letterman show came back. NBC then ordered everybody to come back. All their, they ordered the Tonight Show to come back and they ordered what was then the Conan O'Brien show, um, you know, to come back and they ordered Last Call with Carson Daly to come back. And so Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien both came back. They refused to make their writers come back, but they're like, well, I can't let you fire the cameraman and the editor and everything. So they came back and they worked their shows without, um, without writers. So it was just like, okay, we're going to come back on the air and, you know, I'm a comedian. I'll figure something out. So Jay was just writing his own material. Conan was writing his own material. And then they made Carson Daly come back and Carson's like, I'm not funny. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, like, that's not his gig. Because <laughs> he explained it on the air. I remember I watched it that night. And if you can ever find the clip on YouTube, he, he's like, I didn't want to come back. I am against crossing strike lines, but they told me if I didn't come back, they would fire my camera crew and my, you know, they, they would fire everybody because like the show. So it's either come back or there's no show. And he was like, he had just moved the show. I can't remember if he moved from New York to LA or LA to New York, whichever he did. He was just like, I can't do that to these people that I made move across the country. So we're going to do the best show that we can without comedy writers. And he's like, I'm not funny. He explained it on the air. It was crazy. And then what they ended up doing was they ended up scaling back the show and it stopped being in front of a live studio audience. It stopped being um, the the Carson Daly show last call became rather than doing stand up in in like a, um, in front of, you know, like a traditional talk show. He started just interviewing musicians and stuff sitting in booths at bars. And then when the writer strike ended, the show just stayed that, <laughs> you know, like because he's like, why? You know, it sort of became why am I working in front of this audience? Why am I doing this thing just because everybody else does it? Like, you know, they're trying to make it look like a comedian talk show. And he's like, I'm not a comedian. I'll do something different. And it became the show that was it, it became the show that was taped in a bar and was for years. And I wonder if that's going to happen with other stuff. 
you know, will there be a point when, you know, when Steph Myers and Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, why would they go back to work if you can do that? I mean, do you need to have um, everybody taped in front of a live studio audience with um, with live bands and everything? Or can you just do the show, you know, in front of a green screen? I, I, I think the, the pop culture history of this era when it's written in years from now will be interesting. It's the, mm-hmm. the analysis of the way all of playing out mm-hmm. yep. and if you can do that like i mean as much as i hate it to go back to our original topic i miss being able to go to blockbuster i miss being able to go to hollywood video and suncoast video and i mean like i'm the guy who hung out at those places because i love yep. movies so much and i was able to talk I, about a movie. i miss record slash cd stores Right. Jerry's Records and well, Jerry's Records, which means nothing to anybody who's not from Pittsburgh. But if you're from Pittsburgh, you just went, oh, fuck, Jerry's Records, because like they were the they were the store that everybody, you know, that you go to. But it's not like it's not like I stopped watching movies. It's not like I stopped listening to music. Wayne, you were just talking about I just discovered this band. You just said that. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So that still exists. So does it become a thing where we discover comics in different ways? You know, where and, we I, I, and I think that's very possible. And, and that's it. Like, I, I recognize my own culpability in the death of the CD store record store. You know, I, it, it became easier to stream this stuff, to download MP3. You know, I, I don't buy. There are some artists I still buy a physical copy of the CD to support the artist. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I listen to a tremendous amount of music through Spotify and bands make a kick out of that. Um, you know, like I, I'm fully aware of as much as I say, I miss that experience, that community experience going and having these conversations with other fans and other customers and all that stuff. I'm absolutely culpable in, in the death of that industry. Um, and I don't want it to happen to comics, but I fully understand how it can and, and quite possibly will. So we've resolved nothing. <laughs> yeah. So we've resolved nothing. Yeah, I mean, I was that's what I was going to say. Hey, hey, hey. It's the sound the death knell of uh, brick and mortar comic shops. But, uh, and, and I don't the, want it to be. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, and I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't either. Have I, a fix. I, I, I really kind of wanted to retire from there. And, uh, <laughs> I, and yeah, there's no. I mean, I'm, I'm writing a fucking dissertation on comics. Obviously, I love them, right? Right. Um, I, 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 you know, like I'm putting myself through hell here. But I don't, I don't know, you know, nothing can last forever. It's weird if it does get killed this way. And I don't think it will. Like, you know, despite what I just said, there are still record stores. There's like, I know if I, it's hard for me to buy a CD, but if I want to buy vinyl, I know exactly where to go. Right. Yeah. So are comic book stores going to maybe be that? Maybe. I I, I think there could be a resurgence. Um, but like, I just, it is so weird to like notice, suddenly find out the thing that you love, which is not sudden for us, but like the thing that you love is a niche market. And Mm -hmm. in a worldwide pandemic where people are literally dying, maybe supporting your niche market is not the most important thing. And I get that. I get why that has to be. But then there are real people who work at these places and who are employed by this industry. And I don't know what happens next. And I don't know yeah. that we can know what happens next. Yeah. And I know and it's I think, not going to be the same. That, I think that was all true before the pandemic. This just really, you know, pushes, pushes the timetable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so we resolved nothing. So we're, we're resolved nothing. Well, uh, and, on that and, uplifting and, note. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. As, as a footnote, I know people will be listening to this uh, next week, two weeks from now, whenever this one goes up. 
but as we're sitting here, this is the week that uh, pop culture PCAC would have been taking place. Yes, we would be there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so this is what you got tonight instead of us just reading the papers that none of us actually wrote because we didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's weird. I mean, and, you know. It, it, it is it's very odd to do a show like this. I was talking to people today about and it was like, have you done it? Has anybody done a pop? You know, has anybody done an episode of their show devoted to the coronavirus yet? And I was like, yeah, I mean, in some way, every episode Everybody. is because. Yeah. Well, no, but yeah. I mean, even for us, it's specifically well, everything's changed by it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like nothing's and the on same some level, whether it's minor or major. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like educate like. You know, Mav and I both eat, so it's like the education system looks radically different than it did months ago. Like retail looks radically different, healthcare looks radically like literally everything. The way you talk to your mom probably looks yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it seems like and, everything everything you say to someone is always prefaced with some. So uh, are you okay? <laughs> or, or or like, well, with everything going on now, yeah, yeah. X Y Z. You know, yeah, it's like. Yeah. Or there's always some caveat like, well, I would be doing this, this and this, but with everything going on right now, mm-hmm. you know, and it's yeah. just like this understood, like everyone just knows like, like, yep, I, I hear you. We're yep. all in the Things same boat. Weird, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if people want to know what you would be doing, Dan, where would they find you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my killer segue there. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm going to steal that. So our, um, the, the uh, podcast that I do with, my friends uh, Scott, Jared, Sean, Kate, and Link is the Comic Book Pit podcast, and that's Pit with two T's to to show some love for our hometown of Pittsburgh. And you can find us at comicbookpit.com. And then I also do another podcast, um, not as often, but we uh, we're trying to resolve that called the Pilot Season Podcast, and I do that with my wife Jen, and that is a show where we. Only watch and review the pilot episode of a TV show. And it's uh, the only kind of rule is it's something that neither of us have ever seen before. So we're coming into it fresh. And um, we've uh, we've seen a lot of garbage, but we've seen a lot of good stuff, too. So we'll leave it to the uh, listener to decide which is which. But um, that's about it. And, and of course, with both uh, podcasts, we're, we're on all the major social media platforms. You'll be linked in the show notes. Cool. Uh, Katia. Um, well, for usual, you can find me online on Instagram at just that nerd kid for all of your cat and sewing related content. <laughs> Wayne, I, I got nothing new, but I do want let's put in the, the show notes. Uh, if you want to support your local comic shops and very specifically my local comic shops, Phantom of the Attic in Oakland and New Dimension Comic, um, they are still doing mail orders. Send them an email. We'll link those in the show notes. Um, Try to help them stay alive. Uh, whether I'm there or not, they are both places I support, and, and I want them yeah. to survive. Uh, yeah, so, and it's so it's a worry. It is it is a real worry. I mean, we made light of things in some places, but you know, I don't know how either of those stores survives. You know, a month maybe, but you know, six months, a year, what's yeah. left? I don't and, know. And, and, and in a larger picture, I mean, I, I'm recommending them because they're they're my they're my stores. Uh, but wherever <laughs> you live, if you're listening to this in in Peoria. Send an order to your local comic shop. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you need, yeah, if you need a graphic novel, and you know, it's not, it's not dire to get it from Amazon. Yeah, if you can help set people out, it it does help. What? Well, and I think the same. If if I could just throw it out there, I think the same yeah. also goes for you know your favorite uh, comic book creators, writers, artists. Yes. If, even if they don't have you know current work or something, um, you know, 
everyone's available now on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm sure if you reach out to say someone and say, Hey, can I give you some money and you give me something? I'm sure no one will turn you down. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there's, if, a, if, there's a million Patreons out there. Yeah. They, yeah. 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 Those people are looking for work right now. They need to pay the bills as well. Yep. So am I. I'm looking for work. We need to get our Patreon up one of these days, <laughs> which we don't have yet. But, <laughs> but you know, if you want to just say hi to me, <laughs> you know, uh, you can definitely follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick uh, or on my blog at www.chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where we post not only the current show and the show notes for it, but we also talk about whatever we're going to be talking about on the next show. We give you a little preview. We give you some of our thoughts. We ask you for feedback that we end up talking about on the episode, which is what we did today. Um, sometimes we ask you to be on the show if you have something interesting to say. That's how we find our guests a lot of times. So subscribe to us there. And if you enjoy the show, and I certainly hope you do, uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a five-star review and write a review, and it helps us be more popular somehow magically in like the gods of technology algorithms. <laughs> and we need that because... Yeah, it is a real, I mean, I said the thing about podcasts, but it is a weird world where, where popularity matters all of a sudden and now more than ever. And also it's just nice to hear from people. So, um, definitely let us know, definitely write us on Twitter or our blog or whatever. I would like to thank Dan once again for joining us. I'd like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks. See you guys. Bye. We're ending everything.